Ephesians six thirteen through 17, put on truth. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything, to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. We're told to put on truth. Sometimes as we engage in conversation, we might ask or say some of the most important words that we'll ever say, but never really realize that we've done it. And such was the case in a conversation about 2,000 years ago with Pontius Pilate, the Roman consulate, and the Lord Jesus. And it was on that occasion just before Pilate would deliver Jesus over to his soldiers to be crucified that Pilate asked Jesus a simple question. He said, what is truth? What is truth? Unfortunately for Pilate, his question was not a sincere one. He was not searching for real truth. It seems rather that he simply wanted to find a way out of a chore that he found discomforting to him at the time. What a wonderful thing it would have been for Pilate had he been truly sincere when he asked that question, what is truth? Let me read those words for you. They're in John chapter 18. Pilate said to Jesus, so you are a king? Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. Now this same question that Pilate asked, What is truth? is also before you and me today in our scripture text. But it's always before us, standing as a beacon to guide us in all that we do. But unfortunately, for so many of us, our view of truth and our understanding of it is very little different than that of Pilate. Like him, we often view truth as being inherently elusive. It has meanings that we can't quite capture within our understanding. Sometimes it's one thing and sometimes another, depending on the circumstance in front of us. And yes, truth can take on many different faces, and legitimately so. It does not always look exactly the same in every circumstance. And that can keep the meager minds of men like mine wondering and confused, especially when we're caught up in this pitched battle of spiritual warfare that we're talking about here in these scriptures. And that's the reason why we're being instructed here 
in these words to put on truth. Those words again. Verse 13, Therefore take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm therefore having girded your loins with truth. Now may I pause again and remind us of the circumstance that we as believers find ourselves caught up in every moment of every day. Whether we are able to clearly comprehend it or not, We are ever and always involved in a battle that if lost will render our souls broken and on the verge of being completely lost. Now again, do we know that we're engaged in that furious battle? Unfortunately, for most of us Christians, the answer is a simple no. Most Christians go about their day as if nothing more was taking place beyond their incessant, busy agenda, things to do, people to see, and places to go. And though that busy agenda is sometimes a nightmare of rush and struggle, it's usually only considered to be part of the ordinary occurrences of this visible reality that we exist in each day. We use expressions like, oh, it's another Monday. But unfortunately for our naive minds, there is so much, much more that has actually taken place. Unseen to our natural eyes, on the other side of this visible reality of ours, there really is another reality, and these scriptures are telling us about it very clearly. There's another reality where there is an actual war taking place, And that war is reaching over into our visible reality and it's hurting and it's corrupting us and it's disrupting all the things that take place in our day. And the battle is widespread. It not only affects us and the things we do, but it's doing that very same damage to every other person on the face of the earth. Members of our family, our co-workers, every other person, and their activity. Again, we use expressions like, oh, my friend, my wife, my husband's just having a bad day. But there's more taking place. More taking place than them just having a bad day. I have great fears for all of us because we live confused lives, believing that it really is only what we see with our natural eyes that's taking place. But that's just not so. The real reality is this battle, this spiritual warfare that we have been studying about right here in the book of Ephesians. Demons reaching across those boundaries of their spiritual realms seeking to do what they do best, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And yes, I know that my words leave us with a bleak outlook. But this is truth. How do I know that it's truth that I'm saying to you, that it's real truth? It's because we are reading it right here in the only real source of truth, these scriptures. And that's the subject of our instruction today. I asked the Sunday school class this morning, do we really believe what these scriptures are saying about what's going to take place in the end times? 
And we were reading portions of Revelation chapter 13, Matthew 24. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe what we're reading here? And I want to say to us again, as I say to us most every Sunday, if we're going to believe that John 3.16 is true, we have to believe that these words are true. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day, this day that you and I are involved in, this very day is part of those evil days. We're to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. A reminder that while the garment that's being described here as the full armor of God is really a garment of war, all of these parts of this armor are actually also essential for all of the other matters of our day. They're essential provisions for all that we're going to need in all the ordinary matters of our daily life. Our circumstance reminds me of the safeguards that the returning Israelites had to employ as they were rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem after they had returned from exile in Babylon. They were instructed as they worked to hold their construction tool in one hand and their sword in the other. Continuing their daily work, but always ever at the ready position for battle. Do you do that? Do I do that? Not very well. Most of the time it doesn't enter my mind. But folks, listen. These are treacherous and evil days. And you and I need to get serious with our response to what God calls here in these words, evil days. Listen to these words in Romans chapter 13 beginning in verse 13. And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. You and I live most of our days in a slumbering kind of condition. We are to awake out of our sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. We were talking about where Jesus, in Sunday school, where Jesus was saying that in our last days it will be like those days of Noah when they were doing exactly this. They were, they were drinking and eating and marrying and giving in marriage. They were involved in revelry and drunkenness and lewdness and lust. And suddenly the rain started to come. The Lord says that you and I are caught up in that right now. And this whole world is caught up in that right now. But he says, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Now, you and I might not be caught up in this kind of lifestyle right at this moment of revelry and drunkenness and lewdness and lust and strife and envy. But let me assure you that if not these, then other very similar kinds of sins. And if we aren't right now, we will be later. And why do I say that? It has to do with this first garment 
of the full armor of God. And that is truth. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. As I said a moment ago, truth can be an elusive thing to pursue as we live out our ordinary days. Why is that so? It's because most of us, even the most devout of believing Christians, do not fully comprehend truth. And we do not allow real truth to become a part of our ordinary day. We don't follow after the ways of truth intentionally. And why is that so? It's because we too often go to wrong sources to find out our standards of truth. What are those wrong sources? Those ones that give us these ideas and these philosophies of truth. The easiest wrong source is given to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 20. Listen, where is the wise man... Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? I think of college professors, all of modern academia. Or it's those panels that are developed for the news programs where they'll sit around and debate a matter and decide what is the right thing that ought to be done and how they could fix the world. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who would believe. In verse 25 there are 1 Corinthians 1. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. How often is it that we will hear ideas? We'll sit there with that television program on and we'll listen to The Five. That's one of those panels. I happen to like a couple of those people on that panel. But you can flip it over to MSNBC or to CNN and you'll have the same panels. And you'll listen to their ideas and their philosophies. And they'll give statistics. And they'll give this passionate oratory or they will at least give a clip of a passionate oratory. And then we walk away from those speeches believing all that we have heard from those speakers. And not only do we believe their words for ourselves, we turn around and we pass them along to others as if they were truth. Before long, those words actually take on a form of truth, at least in our perspective. And there'll be a truth that people will fight and die for. But sadly, it's not truth at all. Not really. But listen, regrettably, many of those same impassioned ideas and philosophies are being given from pulpits just like this one. Well-meaning preachers preaching things that they don't know about. Why is that so? It's because they also have not sought the best source for truth, for their ideas and their philosophies, and consequently their truth is not truth at all. 
And to make matters even worse, those trusting members of the congregations get filled with all those wrong versions of truth. And they follow after them. Now even though Pilate did not comprehend what he was saying when he asked what is truth, his question was actually the most important question and the most appropriate question that a person could ever ask. But even more importantly, Pilate was actually asking the exact right person, the Lord Jesus. He actually was going to the right person. Didn't know it, but he did ask the right person. Why is Jesus that exact right person to ask this question of? It's because Jesus is truth. Jesus does not just give truth. He doesn't just guide us in ways of truth. Jesus himself is truth itself. And outside of him there is no real and trustworthy truth. Every other thing that is ever uttered by any man or woman has a slight taint of their ideas and philosophies filled in with it. Only Jesus is real truth. And he said that in John 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. For those that would characterize Jesus as being a good teacher, may I emphasize that these words that Jesus is saying to us in these scriptures, they are not simply words that a teacher is teaching. When Jesus says what he says, when these scriptures say what they say, these are a proclamation made by God himself. Jesus' words are the very nature of his name. Jesus is the great I am. He's the one that spoke to Moses out of the burning bush when he said, I am that I am. Now, our meager minds can't fathom the real meaning of those words but they're still all true. Jesus is truth. He himself is truth. He's the very nature of truth itself. And from out of him flows our knowledge and understanding of truth. And his truth is given to us here in print in these words of Scripture. It says so in John chapter 1. Jesus is the word of God placed into print so that witless and meager minds such as yours and mine can read and comprehend them. The song that we sang a moment ago, we get to read these words, but then the Holy Spirit illumines these words to us, brings light to them so that we can understand them. That's why the Accommodations don't understand these words. They don't have the Holy Spirit to explain them to them. They're only words. Now may I say something else here strongly, and this is to us individually. Truth is not what you and I might want to interpret truth to be from these scriptures. Truth remains ever and always separate from what we think about truth. Let me say that again. Truth remains ever and always separate from what we think about it. Now, why must that be so? Again, it's because our rational minds, in an effort to understand the profound ways of God, will always add 
our thoughts into the meanings of these words. And by doing that, we corrupt them. How often do you hear coming out of your own mouth, well, I believe, and then we go on to explain what we believe that these scriptures have said. It does not matter what you or I think about those scriptures. The truth remains here. It's its own standard. It is separate from what we think that it should mean. And we only corrupt it when we add in, well, I believe thus and so. Truth stands alone as its own standard. And our only option, our only option is to accept it and and to embrace it just as it's given. Nothing added, nothing taken away, no other options, no other choices. He not only wants us to believe, it says in John chapter 1, He wants us to receive. We're to believe His truth, but we're to also receive it. And it's worded here where we would put it on as a garment. We need to put on the word of truth as we would a garment. It occurred to me as I was thinking through what is the belt of truth? What is, why is the belt? Why does the Lord consider the belt to be so important? I confess that I was not able to find a good comment on it. Why the belt? Various commentators said that it was so important to, as a foundational part of the garment that it held most all of the other garments together and it especially held that scabbard and that sword of the Spirit. I'm not sure. I do know about truth. And here God is commanding us to put on truth as we would a belt where it is girded around us and cinched up tight. Christ Himself is that truth. And we are to put Him on just as we would that belt, that cinched up belt. Christ Himself must become so foundational a part of who we are, strapped so tightly to who we are that He becomes part of our very nature. And you and I must seek after and pursue after the intimate relationship that Christ offers to us. So much so that when people look at us, all they'll see is Christ. By the way, that as I was reading this, I was thinking of that intimacy that God speaks about. He described it so very well in John chapter 15, 16, and 17. In those words of the Lord, He talks about how He is the vine and we are the branches and that we must remain in Him, that we get our life-giving nutrients from Him and we cannot separate ourselves from Him. We are to be one with Him. And so must all of this armor that we are to put on. One last thing that I'd like for us to to consider. As I was thinking through John chapter 15, 16, and 17, what does God's truth do for us? And this is our source of truth, these words of Scripture. What does it do for us? As you open your Bible every day, and you must do that, One of the things that takes place as you read the words of Scripture is they actually cleanse 
have a cleansing effect upon you. In John chapter 15, verse 3, he says, Jesus said to his disciples, You are already clean because of the words which I've spoken to you. Now, I don't understand that very well. But I do know that it's true. And as I read these words, there's a cleansing effect that takes place. We are admonished in Ephesians chapter 5 as husbands to bathe our wives through the washing of the word. It's a wonderful thing that takes place as we read these words, as we take these words into our soul. One, one last thing. They also sanctify us. They make us holy. They have a power within them to reach into us and to make us holy. These, these words, says in John chapter 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And so, I admonish you and me to open these words of truth daily and let them do their work in us. All of these scriptures are God-breathed and they are profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that the man and woman of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. Let's pray.